Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. They can encounter these things and survive and live mm-hmm. and learn more about what's going on. That that is possible. Yes, we are all right. Thank you for your help. But <laughs> Thank we you. We survived. I intend to spend some time at uh, a local establishment uh, having a few drinks. Monty, I, I, I do believe you that, that perhaps we can prevent these bad things from happening. I have lost people whom I care for due to these unexplainable events, and, and I am with you in full. You know, I live a certain lifestyle, but this is the sort of work that I actually take seriously. The other stuff is just just a distraction, just sort of playing a role, shall we say. You flatter me, Donald. Grand cosmic war. That might be a little overwrought for a silly little game, but perhaps it has gained steam. I don't know if I can even trust myself. Gaining that justice for those that we want to see justice done, it may require self-sacrifice. And from her pinky finger, she slips off a gold ring with a red band on it. Any harm visited upon the heads of Montgomery Hogg, Francis Anderson, Manu Kasut, or Percy Vanderbilt will be visited upon your head tenfold. Somewhere, perhaps Paris. Sometime, perhaps 1895. Robert R. Robert was standing behind a small desk in his bookshop, leafing through his ledger. He didn't need it, of course. He remembered every single sale he'd ever made. But it helped to have something to show curious patrons. Robert waved to a few regulars as they walked by his desk. He wasn't sure when they'd come in for the first time, but he knew for sure that they'd come in every day since. In fact, they always seemed to be around, but he didn't mind. Today was going to be an interesting day. Robert could feel it. Days seemed to be mostly the same here in the bookshop, but today seemed special. Perhaps a new customer? Only time would tell. Robert made his way around the desk and toward the front door of the bookshop. He was never quite sure what he'd see when he opened the door, but it didn't matter to him. He'd greet whoever walked past, or at least the ones he knew would greet him back. Some people acted as if they were too busy to pay him any mind at all, though sometimes Robert wondered if maybe they really didn't see him. He would never know for sure. Robert noticed a man round the corner onto the street where the bookshop was, and he smiled. He knew this man would greet him. He could feel it. He would probably even come inside. He had sandy blonde hair and a beard, and his suit looked neat, if slightly askew. Robert greeted him as he approached, and the man did indeed stop and decide to head inside. The man looked around a bit, taking in the scene inside the bookshop before heading over to the desk, where Robert was now standing once again. The man said he had a book to sell, one he had written himself, and that he was sure it was bound to be quite popular very soon. Robert detected an accent different than he'd expected. He'd heard many accents from all over the world, and he'd heard this one before as well, but something about it didn't seem to belong on the street from which the man had entered. But no matter, Robert had been sure this was going to be an interesting day, and he now knew this man was the reason why. The man pulled out a pile of parchment, and Robert saw that his hands were covered in ink. Committed to his craft, Robert thought. Didn't even have time to clean himself up before coming. As Robert leafed through the parchment, he noticed that it wasn't a book at all, but rather a play. Some of his customers had been asking about a play recently, and Robert was sure this was what they had been looking for. This wasn't just any play. This was the play. Robert smiled. He had known it was coming, but he was glad it was finally here.
So I really enjoyed our conversation last episode about the lottery, uh, and so I want—I'm hoping to—I'm hoping to bring another uh, interesting question unrelated to the game to the table. So let's let's see how this goes. So if you ignore, much like with the lottery, the the, the potential for uh, un uh, undesired attention from other people, if you ignore the perils of being famous or being well known. Uh, what would you most like to be famous for or to be well-known for? Hmm. The nature of my game podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, your role is Chip Yeah, Lynch. I'd like people to be like, that's Chip Lynch from the nature of my No, I, I think ultimately, because I, I, I really do enjoy, enjoy all facets of it and so desperately don't want to have a real job. I want to just do this stuff. But I think my the thing I care the most about is writing. I think if I could be known or or you know my writing was was ex- well loved i think that would be the best the most satisfied i would feel would you be a of, novelist would you be a script writer probably a script writer okay. with occasional dalliances into like novels and stuff sure, like that sure. but, but probably mostly screenwriter yeah tv movies i i think movies i think that's where okay. my my passion is but i do also enjoy writing serialized stuff hopefully people will have something to hear pretty soon there we go uh but yeah i could see it as a a specifically a movie movie screenwriter love it i think this probably uh maybe this just comes from my uh, own personal jealousy of matt mercer but i actually would (laughs) (laughs) i actually would love to kind of love to be known as like uh either player or like gm of a big role-playing game thing i would Mm -hmm. be very happy with that just, I I like games. Uh, I enjoy doing them. I enjoy playing them as a player. I enjoy playing them as I'm a GM. It's also one of the few things I, I feel pretty damn confident about my own abilities in, where I'm like, mm-hmm. I know how to GM. I can do that. I think I can do that pretty well. I know how to play. I think I can play pretty well. So, like, that's the thing where I'm like, I would be very happy to uh, be well known for doing this. Yeah. This is, like, just a theoretical question where... Like this is based on who we are now and our actual skills, right? Not doesn't like have oh, to be. Doesn't, it I doesn't have be, to be. No, it doesn't okay. have to yeah, be. Yeah, I would love to be in the NBA. Like, I'm not, yeah, yeah, right. no, no. Okay, yeah. So okay, yes. if I if I re, if I open it up, to, it, it it doesn't have to be your actual skills. Just like what? Oh, would, I meant tennis. It's more, star. more your interests than your skills. <laughs> okay. Well, so that, that's oh, okay. tough because I would I was going to say writing too, and I would say more of like novelist slash essayist side as like not not the realistic one but like the one that actually fits my personality who i am etc but then there's like starting new york jets quarterback starting successful new york jets quarterback (laughs) would also be nice yeah can i change mine to pro wrestling manager because that's the thing i would actually like i'm going to put worshipped as a deity down as mine (laughs) i start my own religion and become a deity cult leader yeah, cold yeah. yeah. Very cool. <laughs> this is um, a question that's been on my mind the past week. I've been doing, I don't know if any of you know the artist's way or listeners know the artist's way, but it's like a 12-week creativity workbook kind of course. And one of the assignments last week was to uh, come up with five like dream lives that you could have. And some of the people in the group like went very, like, these are the skills that I have so I could do these five other lives. And then a few of them, like, had these wildly imaginative things that were like so far from their own life. And I was like, why didn't I think of doing that? So even with like a week of thought, I'm not really, I don't know how to answer the question. I don't know what I would choose. Like now that we're here, I'm like, yeah, for the podcast. Cause it's like a thing that I like, but it's not the main thing I do in my life. It's like, you could still walk down the street and live your life as like, (laughs) you know, people aren't following me around, but I don't know. Or I would like to just like on the side, make really good wine or something. Oh, okay. I, it, wine circles. I love that. That's great. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, just one. be a really f- great winemaker. Yeah, I think it is a really hard question because, like, I don't know. I try to imagine it because I think what I, you know, when I, when I, when I was thinking about the question, it's like, what would you most enjoy being famous for? And so, to me, it's like mm-hmm. if someone said, if someone who didn't know you met you and said, "What do you do?" What would you be most happy to be the response to that question? That you're like, "Oh yeah, I like, I'm a world famous, whatever." Wow. I was debating chef mm-hmm. uh, because I think that would be of really course. cool, but I'm not sure that I want the, I'm not sure I want the like three Michelin star chef life. 
Um, mm. Because they you want right. the Food Network star life? No, definitely yeah. not. Bobby no, Flash, definitely not. Definitely Guy not. <laughs> you want the serious art of the cuisine, not the like celebrity stuff. It's not even that. I just I don't want the I don't Stress. want the um, or the camera in my face all the time like that. Yeah. Like yeah. from the Food Network mm-hmm. perspective, I don't really want that, and I don't really want the like spending twenty hours a day at a restaurant to to well, do yeah. the Michelin star yeah. lifestyle. And some of the horrible things you say while you're cooking. You of know, course, you really yeah, don't yeah. Want yeah. A I, mean, I can't have anyone seeing some those of that things. language. That's rough <laughs> stuff. You say. I've heard them in the kitchen. It's not good. <laughs> um, I also, I mean, I think. I, my my like natural inclination is to say writer like you know to write like a, a like a a series of novels or something like that mm-hmm. like I yeah, I'm I'm nowhere near as literary as as Chris and Sarah are so like I feel like a you know maybe like a something in the same genre as we're playing like something that's like a real world kind of horror with some fantastical elements something like that would be really cool. But I actually think that the answer is like someone like Anthony Bourdain like a like a food slash culture slash cool. like uh politics commentator you know, like someone yeah. someone who yeah, goes and yeah. like tries to bring other places to life for other people i think it's actually do a lot the of answer. like travel log stuff with yeah. with so, your and through uh, the medium of like food and that sort of yeah, thing yeah i think that's the actual answer i think i'd like to be i think Great i'd like answer. to be described as famously handsome I think that would be a nice ego boost every sure. time you're you like, see you're it. That guy. Like, oh, that's a famously handsome Mike Krennic. Like, I think I would like that. Would be a nice constant ego boost every you time I'm You want to be I'm people's about, sexiest man. Yeah, just on the cover, kind of looking pensive. Just, I don't even have to be number one as long as I'm just considered famously handsome. Yeah. Like, anyway, John, is it bad? I, I. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like George Clooney. I was gonna reveal who I thought was famously Amazing. handsome. Well, he is. He's famously handsome. He is famously <laughs> and and factually handsome. Yeah, yeah, it's true. No, my thought was like, do I just want to be like an influencer? Like, I just live a like lovely life. Sometimes I put up some pictures, and people are like, "Oh, you're that person." And then I think it through, and I'm like, "That's your dream. Like, that's you could have any life." You want to be? Like, you no, want to no, be no, no, famously no. Sarah? Sarah no, was no. never seen again after Fire Festival too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no. Think of no. all the pretend stress you'd have to have so that you could like cope with the fact that you're be making really money cool. just to be alive. Yeah. You'd have to want to be like, it's so overwhelming. Thoughts. Stage everything. Yeah, and it's like, well, it doesn't really sound that bad. (laughs) No, it's just like I keep doing the same thing I'm doing, and people just people just love it. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm famous for. That's kind of what I went for with my podcast. Was like, I'm just gonna talk, and maybe people like it. Well, there's like so many of the like I follow accounts of like dogs and stuff, and some of them get famous (laughs) enough. Like, there's one corgi that like rides around on a guy's backpack in New York, and like. The dog gets to meet celebrities. So the guy who is the dog's owner is kind of famous, but it's mostly about the dog. Yeah. And like that seems like a real good sweet spot. Yeah. Where like he yeah. gets to reap the benefits of it, really. But yeah. everyone the dog is doesn't all about care about the being the celebrities. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. But everyone wants to meet the dog, and it's like all the fam- <laughs> famous people coming up and being t- having their pictures taken with the dog, and it's you know, very cute and fun. Like, that sounds great. The only downside of that is I feel the people who have parasocial relationships with animals are truly the bottom of the barrel. The people who are like, oh my God, your dog is sick. I haven't been able to sleep for three days because I'm thinking that your 17-year-old dog that I've never met might die. And it's like, wow, you need you need some serious yeah. help of some kind. So you would have to deal with those people. But other That's than true. that, just mute them. You'll be fine. I was thinking this kind of a, a thought experiment too, kind of like Eric said, how much are we signing up for the lifestyle and how much are we signing right. up for yeah. like the, I'm at a party, I meet someone and I say, this is my cool job. Because like the latter is easy. The latter you could be like, oh, I'm a deep yeah. sea explorer or I'm something. I'm an archaeologist. Like, yes, yeah. awesome. <laughs> but like, do I personally want to go down there? No, certainly not. But <laughs> yeah. it yeah. sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> but but this... presenting myself as world's sexiest astronaut, that's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in the metaverse, you can be. This is a commercial for. <laughs> I was I was scrolling through I was scrolling through reels last night, and one popped up that just said, "Are you afraid of the ocean?" And it was just pictures of big yes. waves, and I was like, "Yes, I am. I, I am afraid of the ocean." I don't want How did you know? You're about to present to me. I think this is a human instinct to be afraid of the ocean. I have to imagine our Neanderthal ancestors were like, "Whoa, not too close." 
Yeah, yeah. Whatever's not, not going on out there. Hundred foot no. waves. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. bother me. <laughs> that, that doesn't that look question like has fun. a right answer. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, an empirically true answer. <laughs> I am correctly afraid of the ocean. Are you afraid of the ocean? Good. Good. <laughs> Smart decision. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we are going to we are going to jump back in to our story. After a uh, you know a bit of time to decompress to to figure out what's going on with their lives uh, for all of our characters except for Donald who had an encounter with uh, the second sister that we've met in our story uh, Camilla each of the each of the characters woke up except for Donald who uh, is in the middle of having a full body convulsion potentially triggered by a dream that he had of his encounter with Camilla so we're gonna start there Donald. <laughs> I need you to make me a health test. Health, okay, let's do it. How's that? Oh. How's that health pool looking for you uh, before you roll? Health pool is at one. Okay, oh, uh, would you like to spend that one point? No, there's no. You're dreaming. You, you have no protection <laughs> against anything when you're sleeping. Okay, uh, all right. You don't consider Donald a particularly healthy guy. No, and I also I got a one. Okay, so um, you are going to take the major injury card um, for this situation, uh, which is called Blood Palsy. Oh, cool. How does that sound for you? You think that's going to be a nice mild condition? (laughs) Yeah, Blood Palsy. I think I actually had that last week. I'm all right. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, So it's an injury card. It's not a continuity card, so you'll be thankful to know that at least. Your highest physical pool drops to zero. So what is your current highest physical pool? Uh, currently, my current highest physical pool is, I believe it's riding. <laughs> is it really? I know, yes. when do we ever get That's to amazing. No, excuse me. No, 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 no. I have three in fighting. Okay. okay. I have two in riding and three in fighting. Okay, so fighting drops to zero, and you can, tr- it says trade for uh, Hiss of Blood, which is another injury card. Trade for Hiss of Blood. By performing a task Camilla gives you to her satisfaction. Hmm. Okay. So you you have this horrible, painful convulsion, and then you wake up. I, I think he finds me over him, like, shaking him. Like, say, yeah. Don, Donald, Donald, wake up. What is happening? I was, I was back in the bar. Oh, God. Oh, my blood palsy. Oh. Donald, you, yeah, you're suffering from some kind of blood palsy? It just, oh, look golly, all... I could trade it for hits of blood. Oh. <laughs> I... Don, what happened at the bar last night? What on <laughs> earth has uh, gotten into you? Now, do I feel, am I in physical pain? Am I... I think you're in, yeah, I think you I think you felt a moment of excruciating physical pain, and then I think your body is just incredibly achy as you wake up. I hit the bottle uh, too hard last night, I suppose, Monty. I I, uh, I suppose I just hit the bottle too hard. Who sent you the note, Don? Uh, a female admirer. Don, have you... It's a fast-acting STD. Are you okay? Are you all right? Is it... <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I'll be all right, Monty. Help me up, please. I'll help him to his feet. I'll also splash some water on his face without asking him if that's all right. (laughs) (laughs) He's waterboarding me. I think Donald is going to try to kind of get as much of his bearings as he can and just like try to just go about business now. But obviously he's in pain and he's scared and he's shaken up and everything that happened last night. So he's not doing great. Mm -hmm. Um, let's Let's check in where everybody stands from a card perspective. Okay. I have the one I just got. Uh, blood palsy, and I have mm-hmm. out of control, which is a continuity card for sh- right. a shock card. One shock, one, um, one injury. What about yes. you, Monty? Still have two shocks. Two shocks, yes. Uh, Manu, I have one shock card. The continuity price of failure. Yes, yes. And um, what about you, Percy? I have nothing. I have okay. no cards. Percy's Charmed. thriving, absolutely yeah. thriving. <laughs> Doing great. All right, so I think the four of you probably made plans to meet up. Uh, let's say you meet up at, at La Vougra, um, one of the the cafes uh, local to the Latin Quarter where all of your apartments are. Uh, early in the morning, so we're gonna we'll fast forward to to there. You're all sitting around a table at La Vougra, perhaps drinking some coffee. Beautiful, beautiful, lovely, lovely day. 
<laughs> Did uh, anyone receive any invitations this morning? No. Did did you? Telegram from the newspaper. Nothing. Uh, nothing about any uh, invitations. However, as a as a Vanderbilt, we don't expect invitations. <laughs> but Monsieur, he said that the invitations they would come. I'm sure they will arrive, in some spectacular fashion, no doubt. Mr. Vanderbilt, uh, you had said um, that you know the gentleman Nadar. Is that correct? Ah, yes, yes, I believe. I'm familiar with the name. I, he is an acquaintance of several people that I know, and in fact, I would love to meet him. Uh, I huh? thought you said you were well acquainted with him. Yes, yes, I know people who are very well acquainted with people <laughs> who know him. I see. <laughs> I too should like to meet this Nodar. Well, we may have the opportunity today. The newspaper contacted me this morning via telegram to uh, ask me to interview Monsieur Nadar, um, that he would be available today uh, and want to talk about airships, I believe. So if you would like to come along, uh, I think this may present a chance and perhaps we can untangle whether he is in fact related to Monsieur Redon uh, or not. Sounds as good of a lead as any. Uh, do you also, Monty, share, um, or do you think anybody else looked at a newspaper about the the fact that there was this death at the Eiffel Tower um, overnight? I mean, I don't not. think I, Donald definitely didn't. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't check out a newsper post blood palsy. <laughs> post blood palsy. <laughs> you know, I think actually he will. I think he will uh, reach into his pocket and pull out a folded piece of paper, unfold it, and just lay it out on the table. I don't know if this is related or not, but uh, I don't know if it will shock any of you to learn that there was a death at the Eiffel Tower yesterday, uh, shortly after the events of the morning. Do we think Man this warrants further looking into? I don't know if it warrants further looking into or if we simply need to understand just how close we got last night to meeting the same fate <laughs> or just as a general warning of how close we may be if we can, as we continue on this track. I defer to the wisdom of the group. Manu is like, when she sees it, she like runs cold. She's like, absolutely, this is related. Like, this is just an innocent bystander who got killed. She's thinking of like her aunt and the things that she has seen. So she does not want to follow this lead. She's like, this is certainly connected and we should stay far mm -hmm. away. And But remember, this is why we are in this. We want this to be the last death connected. Stay far away. I'm not afraid. I think... You know, it's probably some sort of fanatic tried to climb up the tower to get to the dirigible and just fell off. Couldn't handle it. What kind of fool would do such a thing? <laughs> In any event, I think we understand that uh, it is connected and there is significant danger. So uh, I, I suppose I can go go about uh, setting up the interview with uh, Monsieur Nadar. If anyone has any questions that they want to ask Monsieur Nadar, uh, please consider them carefully. I don't know how long we will have for this interview. Um, I don't know what kind of state Monsieur Nadar will be in, and I don't know how much he will feel like answering questions related to the other occurrences that are going on to, in, over the past day or so. Um, so I will, uh, Monty will go ahead and, um, the, the telegram that I received from the newspaper, did they say they had already set up the interview or yes, that? Yes, there's okay. a location and a, a time, a, a okay. one o'clock. One o'clock, um, okay. Yes. We do have some time before the interview occurs if there is anything else that we wish to, uh, get done. Manu wants to, like, go with you. <laughs> like, yeah, Monsieur so Monty, does Percy. I, I should like to, if if possible, I should like to assist you in the interview. I, I, I know this is your profession, but I, people, they like to open up to me. I, I should like to, to see what I can do to help. I'm more than happy to have all of you join me. I, I don't think the paper will mind, certainly. Um, and I can, uh, I may be able to forward on to the paper to let them know that some of my associates will be joining me and they can forward that to uh, Monsieur Nadar. I think Don will probably be willing to go, but probably more likely to stand outside and keep watch than go in because like, there's mm -hmm. now a lot of people and I think he just doesn't feel good. And mm -hmm. So I think he's in, but I think that he will probably more, more than likely not participate in the actual interview and just stay outside and maybe 
write a letter or something like that to he's got a person he needs to write a letter to so yeah i think percy despite percy's aggrandizing he would know enough about nadar and society in general to sort of be able to piece together some dots about this guy right and he has actually mm-hmm. seen the the literal face of radon so he could quickly tell if they are in fact the same person yes so he's gonna go along too Okay, no problem. And what questions do we want to ask? Like, about mechanics of flying things and, like, what's possible? Like, now we've kind of seen this, some of us close up. I think it's going to also depend on what we get when we get there. Like, if Percy recognizes him as Radon, like, that's going to be a different line of questioning. And, like, while you wouldn't go in and be like, aha! I imagine (laughs) the questioning is more pointed. But if it's just like, oh, no, he's not him. This is just a man who's really into balloons. It's Dr. Balloonicus himself. Then you can ask... You know, more balloon-related questions. (laughs) (laughs) I have to assume there is a reason that this interview was set up. uh, It's said in the thing that he requested it. Yes. Mm. So I I believe that there is information that he wishes to offer to us or to the people of Paris at large through us. Does letterhead exist? Like, do we know this is actually from the newspaper? Yeah, it it was a telegram, so no, you don't know for sure. Okay. Mm. Okay. Off we go. Yes. Um, yeah. So if nobody has anything else they want to do in the morning, we can just we can we can go right to the interview in the early no. afternoon. If nobody wants to go look yeah. into the the Eiffel Tower body, then does this qualify as pursuing a lead more than an hour after? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it does. Start, right. Yeah. Yay. The price of failure is gone now. Yep. Success only. You're on out. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, All right. So um, you arrive at the restaurant that the interview has been set up and three of you walk inside to meet with um, Nadar. Uh, Donald, do you want to talk at all about the letter that you're writing um, or you want to leave that a secret for now? Sure. No, I'll I'll just while while they get set to interview, I think he just goes, he brings paper and he just takes out, you know, whatever. And he just writes to Father Sicard, of course. Of course. And he just writes like, uh, Father Sicard, I am afraid that my journey into darkness has gone beyond its furthest step and that I am beyond forgiveness and repentance. I fear for myself. I fear for those around me. But I know I must do what I am tasked with doing as I decided on that night in your office. And so I will venture further and I don't know if I will return. And I don't know if the person who does return is anyone who's worth checking in on or continuing to associate with. But please, please do not give up your search for my sister. She is innocent. She is blameless. And she needs saving. And I entrust in him uh, that he will continue to do so no matter what becomes of me. Donald Braith. Send it off. Amazing. Oof. Love it. Oh, Father Sicard. The one only. I'm not going to make you do him again, but... <laughs> but I a nice letter is good. I yeah, thought yeah. about it. <laughs> Donald. Uh... <laughs> there it is. There it is. The folks at home got what they needed. Yeah. A cheer erupts from the listeners. <laughs> yes. um, all right. So the three of you enter the restaurant and uh, sitting with a, uh, a a large meal, a large luncheon already in front of him is a corpulent man in his <laughs> looks like 70s uh looks like he's he's lived every he's 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 been affected by every of the every one of those 70 plus years he has kind of long curly hair that like pushes kind of out to the sides <laughs> of his head and no beard and a very bushy mustache and uh he sees the three of you walk in and he says uh, you three the uh from the paper <laughs> yes yes indeed monsieur and i like in uh in percy's ear uh, so does this look like Monsieur Redon to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Percy is shaking his head and sort of a flummoxed look on his face because he was definitely expecting it to be the exact same guy. Manu is like calm, cool, collected, like, Enchanté, I'm Wolfreed, you have ordered, the, the food looks delicious. I am Manu. You're gonna have to get your own. This is all for me, but uh, I'm happy to happy to pay if if you want anything. Uh, Garcon, Garcon, uh, we we need to take some orders over here. 
I gotta say, this guy sounds suspiciously like Percy's enemy at the telegraph office. <laughs> <laughs> no, that woman no. was like this. This is Jacques. <laughs> They're married. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's Jacques. Have any of you watched Shit's Creek? Some of it, yes. Do you know do you know the man that they almost sell the town to before he dies of a heart attack, before he signs the that's that's the the, the 1895 version of that is how I'm is how I've decided to play Nadar. <laughs> he just like he laughs like this. <laughs> it's a f- wonderful characterization. I'm into him. I'm into him. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to let Manu take the lead a little bit here, just because she's so like she's a so comfortable kind of doing the initial socialization thing, breaking the ice and all of that. She's so good yeah. at that. So I, I let her kind of do her like bonjour, etc. Yes. <laughs> so I want to use um or not like a push, but she has Bonhomie, but she also has miscellany where she can like pretend to talk about lots of things. So I uh-huh. think that will also come in handy here. And she'll be like, oh, bonjour, monsieur. We have heard of you. You are an expert. I'm sure you are like us, like all of Paris, excited about this this flying machine and, and all it might entail. What What can you tell us about it? I think he I think he kind of cuts you off in the middle of that. And he's like, I'm excited. No, I'm I'm not excited. If you know who I am, you know about the giant, my balloon. You've seen it fly. Whatever is going on with that craft, I I I just I won't believe that it can fly. I I, I can't imagine the the design. It makes no sense. It, it it can't have flown. Tell us more. You are the expert. Well, it's first of all, it's much too heavy to fly. The no amount of steam power could get that into that into the air and, you know, uh, gears and all sorts of heavy metal objects. That, uh, how could it stay afloat? I think as soon as Monty hears that, he has his, like, paper and his pen out, and he will jump on that. Ah, yes, indeed, monsieur, indeed, something, uh, it, it is sort of, uh, oh, I don't know, a sort of a blimp-like thing, but it did have so many different uh, pieces attached to it, it is a wonder that it could stay in the air. Yet, having witnessed it myself, it did appear to float. M- mass hysteria. That, that's all it could have been. You must have been caught up in the in the excitement of the day and thought you saw it flying. There's, there's no way. I have been known to be rather excitable, sir. <laughs> uh, so I, I have to ask then, uh, you obviously requested this uh, particular interview with myself, my associates. Um, it, were you coming here in order to um, release a sort of a broadside against uh, the uh, messieurs who were piloting this other vessel? You seem like a you seem like a smart man. What's your name again? I'm sorry, I did not properly introduce myself. My name is uh, Mr. Montgomery Hogg. At your service, sir. All right, Monty, listen to me. And he, he does not ask whether he can go <laughs> yeah, Monty. Yeah. It was a, a pure luck. Yep. Monty, listen to me. There's something wrong with that man. That 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 man who claims to be claims to have invented this this flying machine. Uh, you're a smart guy. I'm sure you've noticed it. What is it? What uh, what is wrong with the man? Is that what yes. you're asking me? <laughs> um, well, he is a wispy gentleman who came from the sky. I would say that's the thing that I most registered as being wrong with him, at least the way he made his introductions. I think Percy jumps in here and starts to mm-hmm. wax poetic a little bit and just says, no, 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 I, I think I know what the problem is. I think the man dreams too much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what it is, but I like your style. Monsieur Hogg, do you know who you're speaking with right now? Well, I certainly hope <laughs> that I am speaking with Monsieur Nadar, the uh, expert at flying machines, and especially of the dirigible variety. That is correct. And this man who claims to have invented this incredible flying machine calls himself Radon. Do you notice any similarities between those two things? Let me consider this for a moment. Uh, letters are my specialty, so I guess perhaps I should have noticed by now that it does seem that one name is the other backwards. Yes. Yes, indeed. But there's more to it than that. 
and he like reaches down into a bag and slams something on the table in like uh, among the three of you. And you look at it, and it's a photograph. It's a photograph of you would swear, Radon. He says, "Look at that! Do you see that right there?" Monsieur Radon, we uh, had the good opportunity, the uh, good fortune of meeting him yesterday. That photograph is me when I was 25 years old. What? I see. I see. And I'm going to need you all to roll me a composure check, please. <laughs> um, we're going to come to Monty last. Um, let's uh, <laughs> let's start with Manu. So this, so okay. this, uh, th- this threat to your composure is called you suspect reality is being rewritten. Okay, I think I'm just gonna roll because. Okay. I, yeah, I. <laughs> six. Six. No. Okay. Um, Percy. Six is in a row. I'm just gonna spend one, and the logic okay. being, you know, actually no, no, I'm I'm gonna spend nothing because Percy just saw Radon face to face, and I can't think of a good reason why he wouldn't be extremely put off by this. Yeah, yeah. it's very off-putting. <laughs> and I rolled a five. Okay. Ooh. Uh. I actually think that Monty is going to spend... Hmm. I think Monty is going to spend two on this. Okay. And I believe that he... He came into this meeting expecting that there would be some sort of link between, uh, you know, Nadar and whatever has been going on. Mm -hmm. Now, this is still obviously very surprising. He's also... They just fought Wingos last night. He's in the mindset of... (laughs) He doesn't know what to expect, and there could be any like Nadar could tell them anything, and it could yep. be incredibly bizarre. So I think he is at least somewhat mentally prepared for something crazy. I rolled a one, so that is a three. All right. So Manu, you're surprised by this, but you know, not maybe it's a photograph of maybe it actually is a photograph of Radon. Maybe it's a photograph, you know, maybe something weird is going on, but, you know, you're you're not really that phased. Percy, similarly, not phased. Unfortunately, for Montgomery Hogg, the composure test was a difficulty four. So you uh, you are going to gain the shot card reality horror, oh God. which I'm going to I'm going to describe this to you because <sighs> uh, for a, for a particular reason here. So you gain the okay. shot card reality horror mm-hmm. minus one to focus tests. At the end of a scene in which you take the lead in gaining a core clue from an NPC, roll a die, even, discard, odd, give this shot card to another player. So, you gained your third Ooh. shot card. Yes. I am going to read from the book for you on the the guidance around narrating the uh, receiving a final shot card, and then I am going to leave it in your capable hands to describe what this looks like. All right. Wait. Yes, Sarah? Sorry, if you get three, you you don't die? There's still some coming back from it? No, there's not. Uh, but, I but can't with the, use with, a push? But with the shot cards, it's you lose your mind rather than injury cards, which is you die. So whatever, some, something about this moment, which I will let Tommy describe here in a moment, snaps Montgomery Hogg permanently from reality. Here we go. Likewise, as soon as you have three shot cards in hand, your character loses all grip on reality. You might take inspiration from the situation currently being narrated. You might describe an even worse version of the emotional or perceptual break implied by the title of the effects of the final card, which in this case is reality horror. Or you might describe a condition suggested by a previous shot card already in hand, shattering the character's psyche. And so, Monty, I'm going to let you describe what it looks like for this moment to break Montgomery Hogg's uh, tether with reality, and then we will go from there. I think when Monty sees the picture and then has Monsieur Nadar say that that was him when he was 25, I think Monty's mind sort of flashes through all of these possibilities, time travel, something else, you know... Something else going on entirely, something alien invading, so the Carcosa that he'd been to, all of that. And he does settle on 
the idea, like the final thought that really occurs to him that can be considered rational is the idea that reality is being rewritten. And that that concept brings back the flood of thinking of all of the pages that he found in Calvin Leith's apartment, the ink that covered him for so many nights when he woke up, and he just kind of stares off, pulls his, well, he already had his notebook out, but he, he takes his quill out, and he just starts saying, it can, it can, it's rewritten, it can all be rewritten. It can be rewritten, I can write it. I can rewrite it. Reality can be rewritten. None of this is happening. You aren't happening. Nadar, Radon, Calvin Leith, Carcosa. It, none of it has to happen. None of it happened. And he just starts writing words over and over. And it's all just things that have happened to him over the past several months. It's the name Calvin Leith. It's the doctor's name written out multiple times and then scratched out a few times. Um... And I think, and the handwriting gets worse and worse as he continues to write. It gets jittery, jitterier, jitterier, worse and worse. And the last things that he writes are, he writes Manu, Percy, Francis, Donald. And then I think he circles Francis and Donald. And then he just drops the pen and goes completely slack and completely blank. And he does not say anything anymore. He does not respond anymore. He's simply staring off. Manu and Percy, I think you hear Nadar say, What? What's gotten into him? What? What happened? Manu's going to try and soothe the situation. Like, she obviously doesn't actually know Monty very well. So she doesn't realize, like, how, what is happening to him. And she's like, but, but, monsieur. This is Monsieur Radon. What are you saying? Like, she's asking for him to clarify in the picture. She's like, but that looks just like you. Yes, that's that's what I'm saying. He is playing. He, 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 there's some sort of something is strange is going on. There's like I said, there is something exceedingly wrong with this man. He looks, I swear, identical to what I looked like when I was 25 years old. I would swear I had traveled back in time. Do, do you have children, sir? no. There is a, a likeness, of course. This man could not be related to you, somehow a cousin, a cousin's child. I, no, there, there is no one. And it, it's not, he doesn't look similar to me. He looks exactly like me. But, but sir, what, what are you saying? What's going through Percy's head at this time? I think Percy is really unsettled by what's happened to Monty, but I think he's going to try to compartmentalize it as he's a writer too. So he, maybe he thinks he's been struck by some sort of inspiration at this moment, <laughs> um, not fully knowing the depths of, you know, the, the burdens that he's carrying. So I think he turns back to Nadar and says, oh, oh our friend is, is a writer like myself, um, perhaps slightly less talented, but it seems he's been struck by inspiration. Just leave it. Just leave it. He'll, he'll, he'll get through it. All right, fine. Uh, just you know, if if he needs help, you can you can get it for him. But, Mademoiselle, I I don't know what else to tell you other than something strange is going on because the man who is flying, who's claiming to fly a craft that cannot fly physically, it cannot fly, is a twin of my younger self. Someone needs to get this out into the world. Some people need to know about this because something strange is going on. Mr. Nadar, if we told anybody this, why would they believe you? Why should we believe you? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. There's photographic evidence right here. This could just be a photo of the other men. But it's not. Monsieur, what, what my friend means is that we, of course, believe you, no? The, the, the photo is as clear as day. But, but you are so many people with your, you and your work. You are so known as a scientist. A genius. If we are to put this out, perhaps they might... They might question that, no? They might, but I I have to share the truth. And I think at that moment, Monty kind of was slack and starts to kind of tip off the chair. And <gasps> the chair falls over and Monty falls over onto the floor as well. And Nadar stands up and says, Someone, someone, get a, get a gendarme or someone. This, this man has obviously had too much to drink and is 
and is passed out here. Someone, someone collect him. Manu's gonna be like, Donald, you, you must get your friend. We can bring him home. Donald's outside. I think oh. Percy um, gets on the down. ground and sort of grabs him and sits him back up in the chair and motions for Manu to go grab Donald. Yeah. What do you say to Donald when you go outside? Something has happened to Monty. He is, he is writing. He's not talking. He has found out. We need your help. He must, we must get him out of here. I think Donald just doesn't even say anything. He just sprints in. Like he doesn't, yeah. he just kind of pushes off and just goes, Monty, Monty. No response. He has him by the shoulders and he's just shaking him like, Monty, Monty, I need you. I can't do this by myself, Monty, Monty, Monty. And he's shaking him. And then he like looks at Percy like, what, what happened? What, what happened? He just, he looked at this photo that this Nadar fellow gave us and it seemed he had a fit of inspiration. He started frantically writing and then he, he just sort of faded away. And that was it. So Donald grabs Nadar by the, the, the collar. What did you do? What did you do? What did you show him? What did you tell him? All right, Donald, I need you to roll me a composure test. Um, this is not for a card, but this is this is a line to your out of control card, I think. Yes. Um, this is whether you can keep control of yourself in this situation or whether you're going to do something out of control. Um, so you Poor take a minus dark. one to this t- test. Is that correct? Yes, it's minus one to composure test to change my emotion. To Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so go so for it. Let me know if you're going to spend anything. No, no chance. He's not ready. Okay. All right. A four. So minus one is a three. Okay. So that's a failure. Um, so I think you do lose control, whatever that means to you. And I'm not saying, the, well, I'll let, I'll let you make the, I'll make you, let you make the decision, but you, you are not able to stay in control after seeing Monty, at least seems like he has lost it a little bit here. So I think, yeah, I, I don't think he would necessarily go right to kill, but I think he just, he's got him held, so I think he punches him across the face pretty hard, yeah. and just keeps punching him in the face, just saying like, what did you do? What did you do to my friend? Oh over my and over. Monty, Percy, you doing anything about this? Or, yeah. Or, or, sorry, Monty <laughs> and Percy, oh, are you doing it? <laughs> I think Monty, Percy, what are you doing totally. about this? <laughs> Percy kind of grabs Donald's shoulder, but but sort of half-heartedly, because I think he's turned a little bit on the dar too. And kind of tries to pull him back a little bit and says, it's, he's an old man. He's not worth it. Yeah, Manu, like, as soon as he, like, puts his hands on Nadar, she, like, shrieks and gets up. And he's like, what? What? No, no, no. no. We are here to interview. Like, Donald, we cannot. He did not do anything. Like, she's going to just kind of flutter about, I guess. Are either of you going to try to uh, physically stop him from doing what he's doing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. Percy will. You're like, one on each side, I guess. Yeah. Um, let's do this as a as a, a piggyback test. So um, one of you is going to spend one point in fighting the other to 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 join in with the other one, and then the other one is going to spend as much as they want to add to the roll. So what do you both have in fighting? I have four remaining. Okay. Same. Does it have to be fighting? Could it be composure? Like she's trying to keep things calm, or it has to be fighting? Um, I think he's beyond reasoning at yeah. this point. You either just, you're either um, going to pull him off, or you're not. Um, okay. So basically, the two of you can combine to spend as many points as you want in this situation. Um, you'll have to subtract one from that as like the 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 pay to do a piggyback. So we're fighting against Donald. You're just trying, to, trying pull to get him, him to stop. Yeah, you're trying to get him to stop. Okay. I'm beating the shit out of this old guy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you can you can com- you can combine your pools into one, and then we're just gonna one of those will be attacks, and the rest you can add to the roll. So how much do you want to spend total between the two of you? I Should don't do, think I want to spend more than one. Do I'm you? I thinking we do two and two, and that way we get a little bit of benefit. But I feel like I'm going to kill him if you don't stop me. I also so feel I th- like... <laughs> yeah, like we're going to have to deal with a dead body if you don't oh, stop Oh, shit. Oh, a man. dead body um, in broad daylight, just beat a guy to death. So you, you okay, might want to okay. try to stop <laughs> A dead body okay, is a, okay. a well-known balloonist yeah, like and an old aerial man. photographer. Yeah, it's a, it's a nightmare scenario if I don't stop, I think. Okay, okay. I think two and two. So that's two a net two? of plus okay. three. Uh, that is a net of plus three, correct? Because one will oh, play man. as the tax. Okay. So which of you would like to roll? You both had good luck. I'll roll. Okay. I trust you. Down to two fighting now. All right, I rolled a five again. Okay. Uh, cool. So that's that's with the plus five. three is eight. Yeah. Plus three is eight. Okay. So the two of you are able to 
pull Donald off before he does and does too much serious harm to Nadar, who like pulls himself up on the table and says, "I'll have you, I'll have you arrested," and like kind of like like starts to go out the door of the restaurant to like theoretically meet up with any gendarme that's been called. What of what do the three of you do now? I, I think. No, go ahead. You're in the restaurant. I was. Donald has just potentially has beaten up Nadar. Monty is kind of sitting catatonic in the chair. Manu's first thinking is like, Percy should go with Nadar and his money and pay off any gendarme. And like, Manu should get Donald and Monty out of here. I like that, but I I don't know if Percy could pay off the gendarme in front of the victim. (laughs) Like, right there with him. (laughs) You do have official them, though, and, and some available pushes. Official them might save us. So I only have one push left, I think. Okay. Um, I have, oh, can I use a push here? If you're the one that deals... I mean, you can use a push for something if you tell me what it is that you yeah, want to use it on. Yeah. I kind of do want to like, use it on Nadar, though, because it feels like an appropriate place for Percy. But I, w- I was thinking mm-hmm. society instead of officialdom, that like Percy, since he is already actually familiar with this guy kind of plays up maybe some mutual acquaintances they might have, people who travel in his circle, and just kind of tries to calm him down and say, like, look, you know, our friends kind of lost it there. This is very surprising to them, all of this, but, you know, we run in the same circles. Don't don't worry about this. Um, we'll take care of you. Okay, so if you want to use a push, I will say that Nadar will be calmed down by you and will not press charges. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. I don't um, want to deal with him otherwise. <laughs> all right. So then, Manu, what are you? How are you trying can, to deal with Donald and Monty? Yeah, I think um, I have reassurance. So can I use like a that to calm down Donald and get him to like help me get Monty home, like get them both home? I think so, Donald. Do you think she could do that? I think she probably could calm him down. I think yeah. My move was going to be to just I I was going to ask if like we thought I could pick Monty up because I was just going to pick him up. She can like help you. Yeah. Walk out with him over my shoulder and try to find a hospital or something. Not, yeah, you know, I not think you can do that. I think you can do that. Don- Donald, I know you are worried about your friends. We are all worried about Monty. We we must get out of here. We, we this, this scene will make everything worse. So she like gets Monty's stuff, like gets everybody's stuff, and is like, I'll help you to, to take him away from this place. Yes, yes. She we'll, takes the photo too. We'll take him to a hospital and then, and then. Donald turns and like he puts both hands on like either like not aggressively just like on yeah. Manu's face and then just looks her right in the eyes and says please 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 go home please go home and he picks up Manu and just starts walking like head down like really like aggressively towards wherever the nearest medical facility is and he's like he's a wreck he's he's crying yeah. he's angry he's a wreck and that is where we're going to end our story for now what does this mean? Oh my god. I can't believe it. Well, it means Monty's gone forever, so. R.I.P. Montgomery Hog. This podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws, both used under the Pelgrane Press Limited Community Use Policy along with the music from the Yellow King Suite, written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. <laughs>